I should not be too loud. It's kind of late. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. As, as always, I'm your host, Reese, and I'm joined uh, by my co-host and draft expert in this case, Dylan. How oh. are you? Oh, I'm good, Ramiz. I'm very tired, but thank you very much. I appreciate the accolade, although, you know, not quite an expert, but I'm, I'm trying to keep up. I mean, of the two of us. <laughs> of the two of us, definitely me, yes. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't have told you a single thing about this draft before it happened. I was like, James Wiseman. That's a name. That is definitely a name who we'll get to very soon. <laughs> yeah. So in this episode, we will be breaking down all the picks, or at least all the picks and all the major trades from today's draft, or I guess yesterday as of when this comes out. Um, just kind of in order, giving them a grade, just kind of how articles tend to do. Yeah, just seeing what we think about each pick. So Dylan will take us through kind of what the actual draftees are, and I'll I'll kind of bring up the trades a bit because I don't know anything about these draftees. So, Dylan, I've done, do you I've done my work start- to compensate. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> do you want to get us started with the Tim Wolves pick, the number so one Tim, pick? Tim Wolves with the number one pick took Anthony Edwards, the shooting guard out of Georgia. You know, one of the most athletic players we've seen in the draft in a while. Uh, later in the draft, they also took Leandro Balmaro from Spain. Well, at least he's playing in Spain. He's Argentinian. He, we probably won't see him for a couple of years in the draft. He's more of a stash, it looks like, with the 23rd pick. And then Jaden McDaniels out of um, Washington with the 28th pick, who's sort of a stretch big, but is is really raw at the moment. Um, but for the Wolves, I gave them a B for this draft, really, because I like Edwards. I think he's going to be. I think he has the highest ceiling in this draft. Also, potentially one of the lower floors of the top guys. Mm. Um, I think for the Wolves and for a lot of these teams, the pick came down to fit. Um, There was talk of LaMelo going to the T-Wolves at one. Um, But I think they were a bit scared of that backcourt between LaMelo and D'Angelo. And I think uh, on paper, at least, D'Angelo and Anthony Edwards makes much more sense. He's a, he's a two guard. He can make his own shot. He can get to the rim. He's very athletic. The real sort of concern with him is um, his his commitment to the game, his 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 hustle, his focus, especially yep. on the defensive end. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And maybe that's a bit scary for T-Wolves fans going to Minnesota. Not really a great organization to develop those sort of things, as we've seen with Cat already yeah i mean i saw that quote bouncing around i'm sure you did too about him saying yeah i'm not really that into basketball i'm just good at it kind of thing he's like yeah i don't really watch basketball and sort of said something about if the nfl gave him if the nfl gave him a contract he'd leave straight away yeah you know a bit concerning for t-balls fans but um i think the, the talent's undeniably there so and then sort of with those later guys that they took, I'm not incredibly high on Jaden McDaniels. It sort of brings the draft grade down for me. I just, he's not really strong enough right now, at least, to hang 
He doesn't move real well, I don't think, on the perimeter. His shot doesn't convince me, which is sort of what gets teams intrigued with him. So, And I don't know much about Balmaro. He seems like a big playmaking sort of guard that you'd expect coming out of Europe. But um, for the T-Wolves overall, I think, you know, with a number number one pick, I think it was the right pick for them. We'll just see how he turns out. Yeah, and just take a flyer and a couple of the other guys. It, it can't hurt, really. Like, yeah. I don't know. It, it is weird to see whether or not they're going in rebuild mode because of kind of what they did even before this draft. Oh, like during the draft with the trade they made, but um, which we'll get to in a sec. But I don't know. It's weird to see, like, I, I would have thought they would have, I don't know, maybe packaged some of these pieces together if they're trying to compete. It feels like they haven't picked a direction. Yeah, that's the thing. None of these, except for Edwards, these two other guys don't help them win now. Both of these guys, I mean, one of them we won't even see this year, most likely. He'll still be playing in Europe. And the other one is definitely more of a project. He's not really a, a contribute now guy that maybe they could have, yeah, you're right, packaged to these picks. and. um moved up and gotten a sort of guy that could contribute straight away. So you're right. They're sort of stuck in middle land with the trade they made with Rubio, which we'll get to. And then the picks that they made later in the draft, especially. Yeah. And okay. So speaking of that uh, Rubio trade, so they got Ricky Rubio back, which is great for me because in my head, Ricky Rubio has been on the Timberwolves for like the past 10 years. and He <laughs> never le- he never left. And now it feels like never did. So they got Ricky Rubio uh, the twenty foot, the twenty fifth pick, uh, in this draft was which they ended up dealing again, I believe. Yeah, they traded with the Knicks. I think they yeah, moved yeah. up with the Knicks. Yeah, and they also got Jaden McDaniels for the seventeenth pick. Um, honestly, I know you're not a big fan of this trade. I can, I think this trade's pretty good for them. I, I like Rubio back with the Timbles. Like I said, just. If for no other reason, the fact that I like him at the Timberwolves, it makes it a lot easier for me. But no, I feel like having a good playmaker, especially if they run him as a six-man, having a good playmaker there with a lot of these young, really raw kind of guys could be good. Like you, I think when we were talking earlier, you said you were a bit concerned about him taking the ball out of D'Angelo Russell's hands. Yeah, a few plays, sure, when they play together, but I, I like to think that they'd run him as a six-man and they'd stagger their minutes a fair bit so they kind of always have at least a decent playmaker on the floor. Yeah, I mean, that would be the ideal situation. Whether or not I think it happens is another thing. I think Rubio's sort of a weird player for me. He's sort of... He's overqualified to be a six-man, but he's not... He doesn't fit the current NBA to be a starter. I mean, he was good at Phoenix. Like, there's no doubt about that. And his shot has improved since he's been drafted. And he's he's almost you know, sort of respectable at the moment now. Um, but he's not the off-the-dribble shooter that D'Angelo is. He's, he's a better playmaker, I guess. But he's not as sort of... He doesn't threaten the defense like D'Angelo does. And um, I, I fear that they're going to start them together, which just sort of limits what both of them can do because if you're trying to split ball handling possessions with them which they both need the ball it neither of them are really off ball players d'angelo doesn't seem like he moves off ball a whole lot and rubio is not really a spot-up shooter at least in my mind maybe maybe he's got his percentages up but yeah i'm not i don't know i think you could have gotten a better deal for the 17th pick probably uh, yeah 
but probably. I don't know. As we saw this draft, a lot of the names were kind of just not a whole lot. Like, I I don't know how much more you could have gotten for that pick. And I know you said, like, neither of them play off four, but I feel like that's a skill that D'Angelo Russell can and should develop, especially playing a little yeah. side cat. Like, you know, he didn't need to play off four when he was um kind of the only guy on his team in, oh, not the only guy, but, like, you know, key guy in uh Brooklyn. Um, yeah. But now that he's with Cat, he's probably, I think he's arguably or definitely the second best player of that team. Could you argue? No, he's definitely the second best player. Definitely? Okay. Yeah, yeah, so definitely the second best player of that team. He needs to delegate a bit. I think that could work with Rubio, who's good at helping people delegate. He's, you know, a few years ago, he was one of the best passers in the league, and he still very well could be that. Yeah, we'll see. Obviously, both of them will need to improve. And you're right, D'Angelo definitely has the bigger upside to move off ball. He seems like a good catch-and-shoot shooter. It just right now doesn't seem like he's willing to move off ball, a bit James Harden-esque, where it just seems yeah. sort of... If he doesn't have the ball, he's not really doing anything to to threaten the defense. Um, yeah, we'll see how it turns out. I think, well, yeah, we spoke about maybe they could get something better, but also maybe they couldn't. You know, we expected yeah. big big changes in this draft, especially towards the top with, you know, the Warriors were in talks with trading their pick. The Wolves looked more and more likely to t- trade their pick. The Celtics wanted to move up and sort of none of that happened. All the sort of trades were towards the late lottery, late teens and into the second round. So maybe there just, there wasn't a deal better than Rubio out there. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I I think this is an okay trade. I feel like I've been very nice with my grades because I was also grading these. I give it a B for the Timberwolves. I think it's an all right move. I don't think they desperately needed that 17th pick. They still got, you know, players out of it. I don't know how great, you know, you consider Jenny Mc people consider Jenny McDaniels to be, but I don't know. He can't be. I doubt he's significantly worse than who they would have selected at seventeen. Whoever that may have ended up being, had they kept it. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot a lot of mocks had Jaden towards the 17 area so we seemed to slip slip a bit so um i mean they probably got value for their pick if, if they were looking at Jaden at 17 anyway um yeah i gave the i gave their draft a b as well i think anthony edwards is a b plus maybe an a and minus but all these these later picks sort of bring it down a bit for me okay that's fair all right uh let's move on uh sorry they did have their other trade with uh Leandro Bomaro, uh for Emmanuel Quigley at the 33rd pick. I don't like the trade. I don't see why they did it. doesn't make sense to me. But I, I mean, also don't care enough to talk about it. I was going to say, they, these sort of deals we might just leave alone. You know, these just sort of jockeying for draft position don't really seem to affect um, things in the long run. And the way I've, the way I've graded my my draft thing is... It's not really about who they could have taken or who was who was behind the picks that they made. I'm just sort of looking at the picks they made and how they relate to the roster as currently constructed. So I'm not really looking at what could have been. I'm looking at what is and how and giving the grade based on that. Yeah, um, I did do a little. I did look a little bit into uh, Leandro though, just for the sake of at least providing something here. I don't like him. I don't like his game. From what I from what I've seen, he seems so raw and he's not I feel like he just wouldn't fit with them. And it feels weird that they traded two picks for him. But I don't know. Yeah, I 
don't know either. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know anything about them really, so it seems like you've done more scouting on We're him about than two I minutes have research. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to the second uh, team, which is the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, I mean, the second pick, uh, they took James Wiseman. Um, great fit for the team. Um, you know, they for so long now, they haven't had a real talented center yeah. um, since Bogut, really. And even even then, he was towards the coming towards the end of his career. Yeah. Um, so this is a great fit alongside Steph, Draymond, hopefully Clay. You know, there's news out now that he's injured his Achilles. To how severe that is, we'll find out after this pod comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, but even if Clay's out, he's a, he's an impact guy right now. He's a sort of he's a guy that can come in and give you a a double-double straight away. He's going to be a beast on the boards. He's a big physical dude, you know, 7'1", 245 pounds or something like that. Um, crazy athletic. Shows some promise as a shooter. Um, we'll see how that develops. That's sort of where where his ceiling lies in his, is in his shooting. Yep. Um, also, his IQ for the game, both offensively and defensively, needs to get better. But right now, at least he's a shot blocker as a weak side helper. Um, there's been a lot of comparisons to Chris Bosch, actually. He's more of a as a as a bigger Chris Bosch. So we'll if if that's what he turns into, that this will be a great pick for the Warriors. Um, oh, this will fit. Yeah, this will fit right into their style with the and you know I was I was for the Warriors trading this pick, but now that Clay has picked up another injury. And these guys are getting older. I think it's good that they've kept the pick for the for the next generation of these Warriors teams. Yeah. So, because um, they're not going to be getting a really high pick in the next couple of years, probably. No, no. So I think it's good that they capitalized capitalized on this on this pick while they had it. Um, and then later down the draft, they took Nico Mannion, who's a high school phenom, uh, really popular guy through you know social media and mixtapes and stuff. Um, Freshman at Arizona showed some flashes as a as a shooter, a bit of a playmaker. He's point guard. Um, he's a bit. He's not athletic, and it's not really athletic or a physical guy. So we'll see how he goes defensively and uh, creating his own shot. But he should fit in nice with the Warriors behind Steph. Probably won't get a lot of run, obviously, but um, a nice little project for them to work on. He could be a role player in a couple of years. And then Justinian Jessup, who I, I think is a shooter, played in the NBL this year. Um, but he, with the 51st pick, so I think he's more just more of a shooter, bench guy. Yeah. But um, overall, I think this was, a, a, I think Wiseman and also Mannion are good pickups for the Warriors. Uh, um, so I, I gave them a B plus. Okay. Um, there was nothing in terms of trades, and like I said, I don't really know anything about this. I I am surprised that they didn't trade the number two pick, but like I'm pretty happy that they kept it, especially like you said with the injury. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they're just stocking up for the future for when Steph, Clay, Draymond get a bit too old and you know start looking at retirement. I mean, obviously, I'd say at the very least, Steph and Clay have a role in this league till they're very very old, just being spot up shooters. If you really need them to be Draymond. Very debatable whether he has even a few more years in this league, but um, yeah, 
yeah, no, I mean, getting another young guy to pair alongside Andrew Wiggins and then, you know, a couple, again, another couple swings at some late draft picks. Maybe one of them turns out, maybe one of them doesn't, didn't cost them anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a guy we haven't even really talked about, Andrew Wiggins, see if what the Warriors can get out of him and if he can be an impact player for them. Obviously, a different role to Clay, but if Clay's out, maybe Wiggins steps up and gives them those points that they're going to be missing. So, yeah, I mean, even without Clay, obviously, they're not going to be the juggernaut that they are with him, but without him, they could still be very, very good. For sure, for sure. I mean, even with him, debatable whether they're going to be a juggernaut. I mean, based on, like, at least what we know of the Warriors, I don't see them winning anywhere close to 70 games. I don't see them winning 60 games, really, but... Yeah, no, not at all. It won't be, yeah, it won't be the Warriors of old, but they'll still be, especially with how competitive the top of this West, and especially their their division specifically, is going to be. It's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be a, a very good team, but obviously not the record we've seen in previous years. I think we did see some information come out about schedule just really quickly. Then it doesn't seem like you're playing your each team is playing their own division as much as we thought they were. I think it was four games against each team in their division, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I quickly had a look at it. I think you're right. It was I had a bit of trouble following with what they were saying, but I think you're right. It was think, a lot, yeah. Yeah. Still, it's a it's a lot of games. That's sixteen games against, you know, probably very good teams. At least four playoff teams, yeah. Yeah. Well, including them, yeah. So three. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to the third pick with the Hornets. Yeah, the Hornets take LaMelo Ball. You know, the sort of the poster child for this draft, I'd say. Um, had the most intrigue to a lot of people. Has the Is the best prospect. A lot of, a lot of guys have him number one on their big boards. Um, and he's sort of, he's perfect for the Hornets, really. Um, he's... You know, if he hits, he's going to be a star and just sort of a guy that you have to watch, which is exactly what the Hornets need because, you know, they're a bit of a snooze at the moment. Um, shout out to Devontae Graham, but, you know. Um, so I think he's, he's, he's the guy that they wanted um, and he fell to them. So I think it's, it's the perfect fit. It's really, he can go there, he can have the ball. The only worry is that there's not a lot of, I guess, veteran leadership there in uh in Charlotte. Um yes, Jerry Terry. Yeah. So we'll see yeah. how he develops with his IQ and with his um with his feel for the game and with just sort of his control. Because you know, throughout his career he's had the, he's had full reign to pretty much do whatever he wants. Even in the NBL team was suited around him it was the whole point of that that uh illawarra team was getting him drafted high so it's, yeah we'll see if he if this team can get him out of his bad habits that he's in you know sort of turning the ball over not taking smart shots um lazy defensively so those are all things he's going to have to work on and then later in the draft they've got a bunch of second round picks here i think they traded for vernon carey uh nick richards out of kentucky another center uh, and Grant Riller or Ryla, I'm not sure who he is to be honest. Um, so interesting, they've gone for two bigs. Nick Richards, more of an athletic rim runner type. Vernon Carey, more of a sort of not really post up, but more of a bruiser. Um, guys that were earlier in the year predicted to go potentially the first round, especially Vernon Carey. 
Um, but they've they've fallen off as their fit in the NBA seems more and more questionable. So we'll see how these guys turn out, but it's really about Lamella. Um, and I think this is an A minus. I think this is really the guy that they were after. Okay. Um, in terms of trades, there wasn't a whole lot. They traded a future second round pick for that 42nd pick, which they selected uh, Nick Richards with. I like the pick. I looked into him a little bit. I don't know. He seems like a good athletic big. I don't know. He just feels like someone that could fit with them. And they kind of do need bigs with, you know, Bismack Biombo coming off the books. Um, uh, Billy Hunter Gomez coming off the books. Uh, Cody Zeller is not great. So I wouldn't mind replacing him in some way, shape or form. So yeah, I mean, taking, taking a flyer at a big, I like it. It, and all it cost them was a future second. So uh, not much to say. I gave that trade a B plus because I, I don't know. I was <laughs> that was early on into what I was doing, so I was just giving people really high grades. I was feeling nice. Yeah, these are both guys that have that if they hit, they could be they could be impact guys, but also they could also be out of the league in probably two years. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, speaking of being out of the league, I don't know why I said that. Uh, next up is the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> That's me. I'm sorry, Bulls. <laughs> well. Yeah, they so the Bulls with the fourth pick take Patrick Williams, and then later in the draft take Marco Simonovic, who I don't know. Uh, Patrick Williams is like is set to be a defender, uh, first and foremost. He's a big physical wing, like six eight, six nine, probably two twenty. Um, projects to yeah be a big wing defender, sort of like a Lowell Dang. I'm picturing them for the for the Bulls. Uh, I think that's what they're hoping for here. He's got to develop his jump shot here. Um, he's not really a shooter at the moment, which will be interesting to see. But I guess that Bulls team has a lot of spacing around him at the moment. You know, if they're, if they're looking at their, I'm going to say projected, and when I mean projected, I mean all the young guys that they've got at the moment. Uh, they've got Kobe White, Zach Levine, Larry Markinen, and Wendell Carter around Patrick Williams. So, you know, obviously you want your wing guys to shoot, but I think he can ease his way into developing his jump shot around these guys. Um, and he was a guy that rose over the last couple of weeks. Um, a lot of teams had him pegged at eight to the Knicks, uh, but slowly over the weeks it became more and more apparent that the Bulls were really, really interested in uh, Williams. So they got their guy. He looks like a guy that can fit in with the pieces they've already got. Uh, more so than a ball or a, or you know, there was talk of them trading up to get Wiseman or something like that. So I like the pick for the Bulls. I gave him a B plus. Okay. Um yeah, so there was nothing in terms of trades. I don't believe they made a trade uh in this draft, or if they did it wasn't relevant or important. So let's move on to uh the fifth team with Cavaliers. Cavs, yeah, the Cavs with their only pick for the night take Isaac Okoro, who's sort of sort of like Patrick Williams. He's a bit more offensively. He's got some more stuff offensively. Again, not a great shooter, but uh, can put the ball on the floor a little bit off closeouts and attack the rim. And he's really, yeah, he's another wing defender and another physical, physical big guy. Um, a lot of comps to like Andre Iguodala physically and defensively. Okay to what he can turn out to be. Unfortunately, I don't like this pick for the Cavs more so just because of the fit around him at the moment. 
They've got two ball-dominant guards who already sort of can't play with each other. Andre Drummond accepted his $28 million player option. They've got Kevin Love still in the books for a couple more years. Um, Is Tristan Thompson still in the books? I think he's a free agent. Mm, Okay. I think think he's a free agent. If not, that makes it even worse. (laughs) Yeah. They've already got Chetty Osmond there, who's a guy that they've paid. Um, So... Well, this is a bad fit for Okoro. Um, I like him as a prospect. I don't know if I'd have him fifth uh, on my big board or Patrick Williams for that matter, fourth. But um, yeah, I gave this a B minus. He's definitely an intriguing player, especially defensively, and we'll see what that jump shot could turn into. But um, yeah, the fit right now isn't isn't good at all. Okay. Um I like his last name. <laughs> it, is like cool, that. it is a cool last name. That's for sure. We, few, we have a few cool names in this draft. Patrick Williams is probably the most boring name I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were um, talking um, about... Uh, oh, who was it? God's God's gift. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Precious... His, a, a yeah, that's right. Yeah, brother. Precious Chua's brother, yeah. God's gift Chua. That's a great that name. Is, that's, that's a great name. I love that name. Um, when we get to the Kings, there's another great name coming up, but I won't spoil it just yet. But um, yeah, some good names in this draft, honestly. A little bit off topic, and if if this goes off the rails, I'll edit it out. But what do you think about giving kids really weird out their names? I don't know. Uh, names are just sort of names, I guess. I don't know. It makes yeah. kids. It makes you know stand out for the kids, maybe for not yeah. the greatest reason once they get to school. Hmm. Um, if some dickhead kid tries to bully him for it, but I don't know, you could change your name. You know, yeah. that's not a problem. I don't know. Oh, I'm okay. not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not fussed either way about it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Um, let's move on to the sixth team here, who also drafted a guy with a pretty cool name uh, in the Atlanta Hawks. I was gonna say another great name here on Yaka Okongwu, uh, with the sixth pick for the Hawks. A uh. An undersized big, but a versatile defender. He's about 6'9". He's very much physically and defensively in the vein of Bam Adebayo. So you already know that I'm a big fan. Um, He's, yeah, he can switch defensively. He can guard out to the perimeter. He can block shots. He can move quickly. He can get, he's got active hands. Um, And he's got a promising offensive game coming around. He's a smart post player at the moment. He does play a bit bit of post. He can go over both ha- uh, both shoulders, use both hands in the post. Uh, he's strong. Um, the real concern is sort of how he projects to be a jump shooter at the moment. Um, I'm not in love with his form, but he can make the mid-range. I, I'm doubtful it goes all the way out to three, but we've seen with guys like Bam that maybe they can give you so much that you, they don't need to go out to three. Now, I don't think Okongwu is going to be the ball handler or the passer that Bam is, but defensively, he's similar at the same age, and he projects to get better. Um, the real the real interesting part here for the Hawks is what are they going to do with this log jam they have at center at the moment? Yeah, They've got really three guys that should be playing center for them. Um, in Clint Capella, uh, John Collins, and now Kongwu. So, and I don't really like 
any of their chances playing together, except for maybe Collins and a Kongwu. Collins has shown like a bit Collins more willingness. Yeah, he's shown a bit more willingness to hit the three and step outside and take shots. So we'll see how much that you know develops and continues to develop this year. Um, I don't really trust Collins to defend perimeter guys, though. I feel no, like no, he's no. an interior defender. Um, maybe a Kongwu gives you enough on the perimeter, but he's sort of a guy that you want in switch situations, not always out there on the perimeter. I honestly think this could spell a sort of a weird situation where we see Clint Capella moved before he even plays a game. Like he yeah. hasn't he hasn't played for the Hawks yet. And I think um a possible deal that I'm thinking of is that Gordon Hayward just extended his option deadline with the Celtics. He's making thirty one million ish. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's potentially a uh, a Hayward for Capella swap there because the Celtics yeah. need a big, and he's sort of. I don't know if they need. I like Daniel Tice. Yeah, but I guess, but I don't really trust Daniel Tice against Anthony Davis, and at Davis. least, okay. yeah, <laughs> and you know that's where they that's where their sights are set is in the finals. Yeah, and um, you know Capella might not be. The Anthony Davis stopper, but he's at least got a better chance, I'd imagine, against Davis. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. So, and and the Hawks have been rumored uh, with Hayward for a couple of weeks now, a couple of days at least. The only haggle in that is that the Hawks can just outright sign uh, Gordon Hayward if they want to. So it's sort of up to Hayward and the Hawks to sort of be generous with each other with the Celtics. Do a side and trade sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, with a side and trade. Um, yeah, but just in terms of of this draft, I like a Kongwu. I think he's a really good player. He was really high on a lot of big boards, as high as like third for some people. It's like the okay. third best prospect. Um, so I gave them a B plus, even though the fit isn't there. I I feel like they're going to clear that up pretty soon anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, once again, nothing. Uh, in terms of trades. So, uh, let's move on to the seventh pick, uh, which was the Pistons. Who had a very, very active uh, draft indeed. Yeah. Uh, they, f- they finished up with four picks inside the top 38. They, at seventh, they took Killian Hayes. At 16, they took Isaiah Stewart. Uh, 19, they traded up to take Sadiq Bey. And at 38, they took Saban Lee. Um, I only know about three of these guys. I don't know anything about Saban Lee. Killian Hayes is sort of a... He's a crafty Goran Dragic type sort of player. Okay. Can, make, can make his own shot, can hit a sort of... Can hit a step back, can get his way into the lane. Uh, he's also a very dedicated defender. Um, really... Really... You know, he, he gives it. He gives his his all. He gives an effort uh, on the defensive end. So that's that's promising. Um, Isaiah Stewart at sixteen, big center, sort of an outdated big. Really, he doesn't. And Andre Drummond kind of big. <laughs> uh, potentially. Um, he's not athletic defensively. He doesn't move well in space. He doesn't get off the ground particularly quick. 
Um, he's more of a, he's not even really a rim runner. He's more of a big bruiser inside. You know, if you give him the ball inside, he can get, you know, an easy hook shot or force his way to the rim. Um, he doesn't shoot from the mid range. He doesn't shoot well from the free throw line. So at 16, I've seen a lot of down opinions on Isaiah Stewart here. here. Uh, Sadiq Bay, I didn't know a lot about him before the draft. I've sort of looked into him a little bit more. He seems like a offensively talented wing player. Could play either the four or the three, I'd imagine. Uh, can shoot the three. Looks like he can make his own shot. Um, attack the rim. Seems long defensively. I don't know how defensively acute he is, but um, has potential there. So, yeah, the Pistons were very active in this trade, uh, in this draft, I should say, making lots of trades. They also took on a lot of veterans in uh, in this deal, which we'll talk about. But uh, overall, I like I like this. I think Killian ha- Killian Hayes <clears throat> is a good is a good guy to sort of get this rebuild started for the Pistons. He's got a lot of yep. upside. He also does have a bit of a downside here, but um, if he if he hits it, I think he could be really really good. So I gave the Pistons an A minus for their draft. Yeah, and and like you said, they did get a few veterans in, so they actually ended up making three trades in this draft, which is kind of weird. Actually, um, they essentially traded a future draft pick for Trevor Ariza and that 16th pick, which they got Isaiah Stewart with, and some money as well. You you know you take that. Um, they got uh, Sadiq Bay and Rodney McGruder for Luke Kennard. And then they got uh, Tony Bradley and a second round pick for future considerations. So I don't know what that means. Probably a future second or maybe a future like protection first. So they, they got a few of those picks. They got a couple of vets in there. I don't really care about the veterans so much in these trades. I think they were more just like a something that kind of had to move in order for these to happen. I like the fact that they got a few extra picks. It's really showing, like, yeah, we are 100% in rebuild mode. We're going to get lots of picks as quickly as possible. Get a bunch of young guys. Hopefully a couple of them develop. If a couple of them don't, maybe package them. Try to get more picks later on. Yeah, because they didn't really have a whole lot of upside on their roster as it currently was. You know, they had Luke Kennard, who they was sort of a guy, but they've traded him away. Um... Yeah, and apart from that, I can't really, you know, there wasn't really anyone to be sort of excited about. Um, I I like I actually like the veteran additions that they got. I think it helps them with their young guys, but also makes the team sort of competent while they rebuild, which is I think a really undervalued part of a rebuild is not just having a bunch of young guys run around and make mistakes together, having yeah. veterans there to guide them and push them along to develop into really good winning players. So, you know, it's only Ariza and Tony Bradley. But um I think I think that's important for them. And they've still got veterans on the team, as is. Uh with Blake Griffin and a couple of other guys, Derek Rose. So yeah, I like the moves that they made to help them get this rebuild started. Yeah, I, I gave it a B overall. I think it's they made some smart moves. Nothing mind blowing, but you know definitely doesn't hurt them in any way, really. No. All right. Okay. Uh, let's move on to the eighth pick with the New York Knicks. Yeah, the Knicks get the 
maybe the most exciting player in the draft, uh, Obi Toppin, uh, power forward from uh, Dayton, uh, also a New York guy uh, from New York. So, and we saw him get really emotional about that during the draft. Um, and then later on, they took Emmanuel quickly with the 25th pick, which we talked about the trade with the uh, Timberwolves there. Um, I like this pick for the Knicks. Uh, they've sort of got a log jam again at power forward at the moment. Um, but I think you can easily get off these guys. Taj Gibson has a deal that's surely coming to an end soon. Uh, Julius Randle, you could probably move him for something. Um, he's Yeah, he's an exciting, offensively gifted power forward. He can go in the post. He can run the pick and roll. He can run the pick and pop. He's got promise to shoot from three. He showed that in college uh, in his in his senior year. Um, he's older, which hurts him as a prospect, but I think I, I, I like that for the Knicks. Um, they've already got a bunch of young guys. They're trotting out pretty terrible lineups, you know, uh, most nights. So I think having a, an older guy there is uh, is good for them. Um, defensively, he really needs to get some work, work in. He's not very quick laterally. He doesn't move real well. So defensively, he sort of projects to be better at the five than he does at the four. But I think offensively, he looks better at the four. And physically, he's got really like rail-thin legs. He doesn't really have a big, strong base down low. So I think as the five, he might struggle defensively even physically, not just, you know, uh, mobility-wise. Um, but I think offensively, he provides a lot of entertainment, which we know is important for Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Um, so I, I really like the pick. And then Emmanuel quickly, I'm not really too high on him. Apparently, he's projected to be a shooter. I don't really trust his shot. It looks a bit funky. I mean, he made them in college, but, you know, that's college. Um but you know he could he could turn out to be a good role guy uh, amongst all the point guards there that ha- they have in New York anyway. But um, yeah, for the Knicks, I gave this an A minus. Okay, in terms of trades, the Knicks fleeced their competition here. So I didn't realize this until I actually like actually started looking through the trades. This is pretty funny actually. So essentially, they traded the twenty seventh and thirty eighth picks for the twenty third pick, which they then flipped for the twenty fifth. And 33rd picks. So they didn't lose anything and they moved up with both of their picks. That's kind of brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So they moved from 27 to 25 and 38 to 33 by essentially moving up to 23, taking the guy that Wolves wanted and then trading him to them so they could get those two picks. They fleeced their competition A. plus. That might be the best Knicks move in a I decade. Think so. <laughs> <laughs> what if Honestly, Knicks... I think that's the best move of the draft. What if the Knicks ever made a better move than that in the last 10 years? <laughs> it cost them nothing. And they also got, who was it? Ante Tomic, who's just a guy who's never played in the league and never will. So, I mean, whatever. Like, it didn't cost them anything. <laughs> I mean, that's impressive. Up. Maybe this yeah. is a new era for the Knicks. I mean, maybe they've got this stuff together. Um, yeah, I mean, it feels weird that they actually just got the guy they wanted without having to give up their best players. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's rare for got, to have a competent draft. Yeah, Obi was their guy too, uh, by all accounts. Um, yeah. They didn't think he was going to fall to them, and he did anyway. So, yeah, this was a really, really good night for the Knicks. 
Yep, A plus, A plus. First competent <laughs> drafted. I don't know how long. I don't know how long. <laughs> hey, hey, Andre's cool. All right, give yeah, Andre, Andre some, cool. give Andre some time. Andre's my guy. Right. <laughs> okay, um, so let's move on to the ninth pick. Uh, a much less impressive draft. Then again, how do you compare uh, with the Wizards? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think this is a pretty good draft for the Wizards. Uh, Denny was a guy that was projected to go as high as fourth, maybe even third, um, or potentially even second. There was talks that the Warriors really liked Denny, um, and he fell all the way to ninth. Now, that's a bit concerning that he fell that far, but also the the sort of the skill set that he has, I think, really is complementary for the Wizards' two stars in Wall and Beal. Um, He's a bit of a playmaker, uh, and that sounds a bit weird to say um, when you have Wall and Beal on the team, but the sort of level that he's at now and what he projects to be, I think as a tertiary playmaker, which is a bit funny to say, you know, tertiary playmaker, but I think he can be really, really effective in setting up Wall and especially Beal, um, you know, sort of getting the ball for a limited time and making a play. He can make he can make good passes. Um he make hard passes really well. Um, he seems competitive defensively. Uh, he's got a big six eight, you know, body. Um, can fill it. Looks like you can fill out uh, a bit more, get a bit stronger. Um, I, I'm. I think this is a really good pickup for the Wizards. He needs to improve his shooting. You know, he's not terrible at the moment, but he definitely needs to get better. And having a look at uh, his jump shot on Instagram and stuff like that, because. He was one of the more highly uh, touted guys uh, in this draft. So to see him fall to nine was strange, but we've seen a lot of Denny over the last couple of months as we've led up to the draft. Um, it looks like his jump shot can get better. And I think off the catch, playing with Wall and Beal, he can really play, he can really space the floor for them, especially for Wall. And um, I think it's a great pickup for the Wizards. They also got Cassius Winston. You know, sort of your typical four-year college guard who's undersized, you know, great in college, probably won't translate to the NBA. He might be a good sort of role player, yep. sort of in the vein that um, Devontae Graham is. He, he, Devontae, obviously, is a 20-point scorer at the moment. I don't think we'll see that from Cassius, but can be a good, solid bench contributor. Okay. All right. Uh, for the yeah, just for the Wizards, I gave us an A. I think having Denny fall to them at nine is perfect for them. Okay. Yeah. So nothing in terms of trade. So let's move on to number ten with the Suns. Sorry, I'm rushing through this. We've already been going for about forty minutes. That's all good. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So, for the, yeah, Suns. the Suns. Yeah, they take uh, Jalen Smith uh, from Maryland. Um, he's sort of. He's sort of a weird prospect. He he's a big, strong, physical center, but he's a he's really a great shooter. Like he's probably one of the better shooters in this draft. Um, shot a lot of threes at Maryland, made a lot of threes, um, but also block shots, plays physical defense inside, and he seems like a really high character guy, which I think is important for the Suns and the sort of culture that they're trying to build up now. Um, the the fit question is interesting with Aiton there. Um, 
you know, obviously I think they project him to play power forward next to Aiton, but whether or not he can move defensively on the perimeter uh, will be interesting to see. Um, right now he's probably not, he's not a great perimeter defender. So that's something he'll definitely have to work on. But I think they're, they're hoping for the upside that he could turn into sort of a Serge Ibaka that can play power forward. Now we've seen Serge turn into a center. Um, for the Raptors, but I think the Suns are looking to have Jalen be a be a shot blocker, but also a three point shooter for them next to Aiden. Um, so yeah, the pick it's a bit interesting fit wise. He might end up just being, you know, a backup center for them, which if that happens, uh, isn't great. So I'm going to give this a B uh, with potential to go both up and down, really. Okay. Um, all right, let's move on to number 11 with the Spurs. The Spurs. They take uh, Devin Vassell at number 11. He's a, he's a prototypical 3 and D guy. Um, I think it's sort of perfect pickup for the Spurs. There was talk of Tyrese Halliburton, who was falling at this point um, to go to the Spurs, uh, but they've already got guards there that have shown promise at Derek White and... Um, Dejounte Murray. Murray, yeah. So, I think this is a good compliment for their young guys. Devin Vassell, he shows he can create a bit more than he did in college, but he's definitely a three-point shooter and a defender. Um, and then later in the draft, they got Trey Jones, who I'm really high on uh, from Duke. Uh, really tough-nosed defensive point guard, can run a team. Isn't isn't projected to make his t- uh, to create his own shot will really be a great shooter um, in the NBA, but I think he could be an effective off-the-bench defender sort of guy. So I gave I gave the Spurs a B plus. All right, and now we're getting to the guy with the very cool name that you were alluding to and you actually just mentioned uh, with <laughs> number, th- number 12 with the kicks. Yeah, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, number 12, I think this is a really great pickup for the Kings. Um, he can... He's... A bit of a combo guard. He's not really a point guard. He's not really a shooting guard. He can give you a bit of both. Uh, he's a really good shooter, even if his form is funky as hell. He's a long defender. He doesn't really look like he can put on a bit more, like much more muscle. He's sort of a thin, wiry guy, but he could he can still compete uh, defensively, and he can he can make plays for others and himself. He can run a team. Um, He's sort of the most NBA-ready prospect in this draft. He could he can step in and straight away help. And having him fall to the Kings, I think is perfect. They both play with Fox and Buddy Hield for um, however long he's there. I think, um, yeah, he just works perfectly with both those guys. Um, and then later in the draft, Robert Woodard, who seems like a uh, a guy that could also contribute right about now. Um, I saw PJ Tucker comparisons. Looks like he's a really tough-nosed defender. Can hit an open three, but really, where he's going to make his money is defensively. And then the name I was actually talking about is uh, Jamias Ramsey. Okay. Which, okay, which is a great name. That um, is a great name. I like Halliburton though. <laughs> Halliburton's also a cool name, but uh, Jamias Ramsey out of Texas Tech, um, sort of a Kevin Porter type, Kevin Porter Junior type. Um, okay. An offensive guy gets his own shot. 
He doesn't do a whole lot else, but that's sort of where he, where he thrives. With Halliburton, do you see him... Like, I know you said he could play alongside Buddy Hill and Yaron Fox. Do you think the three of them could all play together, though? Or is that too small? Um, yeah, probably too small, I would say. At least right now for Halliburton. We'll see how he uh, matures physically. Um, maybe in time he can stick with some threes. I don't think Heald can stick with threes uh, right no. now, which is... You know, if Heald could do it, then yeah, I think they could all they could run that lineup out. But right now, I don't think um, Heald or Halliburton. Ah, uh, yeah, I'd say him right now as a six man uh, with potential. You know, if they move, they move Heald to to be that uh, shooting guard, the starting shooting guard. Okay. All right. Um, let's move on to the next team with the Pelicans. Pelicans. They take uh, Kyra Lewis, who's sort of. Speaking of De'Aaron Fox, he's a lightning quick uh, point guard. He's a get up and down point guard. He pushes the pace, um, which would be great next to Zion. I think there's going to be a lot of fast break opportunities between both of them. Um, he's a smaller guy. He's like 6'2", like 165 pounds, which is not a lot. Um, but he looks like he can create his own shot. He's quick off the dribble, quick in the open court. Uh, attacks the rim. Don't know how well he's going to finish against NBA size, but maybe looks like he can get to the free throw line a fair bit. And he's uh, right now he's a decent shooter who looks like he can improve. He shot about thirty six percent in college. Um, I I don't know a whole lot about Kyra Lewis, um, but uh, from what I've seen of other people ranking him, uh, he definitely rose over the draft process and. A lot of people are high on him to the Pelicans, so. Okay, so, yeah, just another guy to kind of fit in with their young, with their young core. Um, in terms of trades, they didn't really do anything. They just traded a couple of picks for some future picks. We just hadn't mentioned trades in a long time, um, and we're not going to mention yeah. any more trades for a while yet. Um, so I gave this a C, because why not? <laughs> I just wanted <laughs> to do something. Yeah, uh, I was a bit concerned with... Um how his fit is next to Lonzo. Cause I thought with Drew God, maybe Lonzo steps into that, you know, point guard role where he's definitely running the team, but it looks like a lot of people have high on him next to Lonzo with Lonzo, more of a secondary playmaker than, and with Kira or Kyra, sorry, in the, with the ball in his hands. I thought it was Kira. I think it's Kyra Lewis. I've heard, I've, I think I've heard Kyra Lewis. Mm, okay. Um, I might, I might sorry, did, you, did you say he was much of a shooter? Uh, he's a decent shooter right now. He looks like he can improve. Yeah. So could you see him playing alongside Lonzo in that kind of a role? Uh, I think they're going to do it. It could be. I think they're going to roll it out anyway. But um, I think, yeah, I feel like he can turn into a good shooter. Um, I haven't, I haven't seen a lot of his jump shot, but he shot a good percentage, and a lot of people are high on him improving his jump shot. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd give it time and say that it will work out. All right, uh, let's move on to the final lottery pick in this draft with the Celtics at number fourteen. Yeah, the Celtics. Um, they took Aaron Naismith here, who's the best shooter in the draft. When I saw his, I'm not sure if you saw this, Rubies, but when you when I saw his college three point shooting stats come up, I kind of had to 
readjust myself in my seat. He sh- he made 4.3 threes a game, shooting 52% from three in college. That's which like yep. which is ridiculous. Um but that's sort of the only skill that a lot of people seem to think will translate to the NBA. Um yeah. for a lot of people this uh this pick was a bit high for the Celtics. Um but looking at the guys that came later, I don't really think there was another guy there that really fits the Celtics like this does. Um uh, that and you know, they had three first round picks. Uh, I don't think uh, I don't think there was um you know, I think they wanted to trade up and get a, a higher pick, but obviously that wasn't available. Um so I th- I like the I like Aaron A. Smith. Um obviously that that shooting is gonna be uh very valuable to their to their playoff run if he can if he can stay on the floor defensively. Um and then, you know, later in the draft they take Peyton Pritchard, who's a four year another one of those four year guards, point guards yep. for college teams, sort of undersized, but just sort of plays hard, can shoot, can run a team in uh Peyton Pritchard from Oregon. Um I'm not incredibly high on him. I don't really think he's got any real translatable skills except for playing hard, um, which we've seen backup point guards get by on. But um, I don't really. I think there was better. There was better picks there at 26, and then another international guy, Yam Madar, who's another Israeli like Denny's. Um, he doesn't seem like he's coming over anytime soon. So, sort of Got a nothing pick. Guy. Yeah. But um, that's sort of what they have to do when the Celtics have so many first-round picks but can't consolidate any of them. You can't just keep adding three first-rounders to your roster every year, you know? So you're no. sort of forced to take drafted stash guys and guys that aren't really going to be contributors straight away. Yeah. I mean, in terms of Naismith, I feel like, and what you were just saying there, I feel like the Celtics really do benefit from just taking guys who play exactly one role because of you know, how many great players they already have. They've got a very solid lineup. They've got a pretty deep bench. You know, just taking guys who can fill in one role is kind of all they need. So maybe just one game out of 82, he comes in handy and you'll take that. Yeah, I mean, well... It's not going to do anything else, really. Yeah. Um, I guess you'd hope for something more with the lottery pick. But sure. if if he can stay on the floor defensively, I think he's going to be really valuable to them in sort of in bench minutes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, overall, I gave them a B minus. I'm not too crazy on the guys they took later in the draft. Or Naismith, really, for that matter, except for his shooting. All right. Um, let's move to the first pick outside of the lottery with the Orlando Magic. The Magic. They take uh, Cole Anthony, who's who for a long time was, he was number one coming out of high school in this class. Uh, he quickly dropped after... Uh, uncharacteristic like uncharacteristically terrible um North Carolina season where they weren't even ranked they weren't picked to go to the March Madness tournament uh which obviously didn't end up happening but um yeah I'm not I'm not high on Cole Anthony I think he's sort of he's a tough shot maker he can get his own shot but you know he's relying on really difficult makes uh, and I'm not sure how well that's going to translate to the NBA. Um, and even 
going to the Magic, a team that we've talked about in other episodes as having a logjam in every position. They've taken another guard when they traded for yeah. Markel Fultz, um, a guy that seems to do a lot of the same stuff uh, that Markel does, at least as at least what Markel was projected to do pre-injury or slash whatever happened to him um, at the Sixers. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't see him being a real playmaker in the NBA, Cole Anthony. Um, I don't know how well his shot selection is going to translate. He, you know, he was sort of forced to take those shots at North Carolina. They had a pretty terrible team, but yeah, I'm not high on this. I gave, I gave it a C plus. I mean, if he, if he can make these shots, it'll be interesting to see, but the fit, and my doubts about him, I don't... I, yeah, I'm not terribly high on this. All right, so moving on from that, uh, the 16th pick uh, initially belonged to the Blazers, but ended up with the Pistons. This is the first time, I think, this draft where we've seen two teams, the same team, twice. Um, so the next pick after that was uh, the Timberwolves pick, which was traded to the Thunder. Yes, and uh, taking the... Undeniably, the most raw prospect in this draft, Alexei Pokushevsky, um, playing in the second division of Greece against your local YMCA, PCYC, um, Thursday night basketball guys. Yeah. Um, a seven footer that can supposedly do it all. Um, I, yeah, I. I and everyone is taking everything they've seen from him with a pinch of salt at the moment. Um, it really is a question of can he do it against real basketball players? Um, I say real not to sort of bag on the guys that he's playing against, but also they're not NBA, not even close to NBA competition. Um, yeah, supposedly a good shooter. High upside if what we've seen from him is legit. Um, but yeah, this is sort of a sw- just you know hitting for a home run for the Thunder here. As with a lot of the guys they've taken later, uh, Theo Maladin, another international guy, and Fit Kretschy. I, I that's a guess at how you say his name. Yeah, um, yeah, all international guys all unlikely to play this year except for maybe Theo. So I've all I've given this is a to be determined really. It, yeah. I mean a C slash to be determined just because it really all revolves around if anything Pokerzewski has has shown us is legit. Yeah, I mean and as you and I were talking about earlier on, this is actually the first draft where we're seeing NBA players younger than the two of us. Um yeah. and no one is younger than this I, how did you say his name? Pajef, Pokashevsky. Pokashevsky. Um, no one is younger than him, as far as I'm aware. He was born uh, 26th of December, 2001. So he's still 18. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm getting older, yeah. Uh No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> we're too old to, to go into the league now. Yeah. <laughs> my, my last hope. My last chance, yeah. Um, so the Thunder, in terms of trades, they made one really big trade, but before that, they were part of, uh, they're the other half of that Timberwolves trade that sent Ricky Rubio back to the Wolves. I like this trade for them. You know, they got off Ricky Rubio, who I don't think they wanted in the first place, really. Nah. They got, uh, they moved up at the draft to take 
a raw prospect, which is, I guess, good for their rebuild, I guess. Erno, would would you have rather have the 25th or the 28th pick or the 17th pick if you were the Thunder? Well, apparently the Thunder have been connected to this guy for a long, long time now. So, obviously, they had their sights set on him. Um, they probably could have gotten... There were still some guys there that had a chance of being you know, really high-impact guys. But I think it's good for the Thunder this year to take a swing on a guy, you know, that they've liked for a long time. May not actually turn into anything, but I think in this year's, dra- this year's draft, you may as well just take a swing on a guy like this. Yeah, for me, this trade's a B. You know, it's an all right trade. They get off Ricky Rubio, who, like I said, I don't think they ever really wanted. So, yeah, they and they got a guy they were after. Uh, but they were obviously also part of probably, arguably, the biggest trade of the night uh, with the trade with uh the the sixers yeah. yeah um for daddy sorry they traded daddy green and terence Ferguson and got al horford michich i i i'd even write down his first name um the 34th <laughs> pick in this year's draft and a 2025 first rounder can't say i like this move really i mean i feel like they didn't get enough for taking on al horford well, they got another first, um, which is I mean, sure, kind of, which is kind of hilarious. Um, <laughs> a lightly protected twenty twenty five, I'll add. So, if this Sixers thing gets blown up anytime soon, that could be a good pick. But also, that's a could. Um, I don't know. I think surely this is part of something bigger, but I also don't it's know what point. it is. Yeah, yeah. it'll be a I salary match sort of thing. <laughs> Trade him again. With like six first round picks, yeah. <laughs> Just get LeBron James, you know. Yeah, we'll give yeah. you Al, we'll give you Al Horford and eighteen first round picks. It'll be sweet. <laughs> I think you said that to me earlier. Um, I did. I did. I mean, yeah. This is, yeah. The trade. I, I don't know what to make of it for the for the Sixers. I guess we'll save that for later. But yeah, for the Thunder, um, I think this has to be part of a bigger plan. Um, I, I had I held hope all all draft night that the Thunder would make a play at the number one overall pick. Um I thought yeah. maybe this would this would be a part of that. But um No, we'll see what we'll see what happens with it. For now, I can't really give it a grade until they until I see what they turn Horford into. But I guess right now yeah. it's sort of it's sort of a B minus, you know, they got another first round pick and uh a guy's contract that, you know, they're not looking to compete anytime soon, so you know, may as well sure. have him around. I guess I just oh, I don't. Even, like I mean, <laughs> even though this is this is still kind of a competent Thunder team. I mean, they've still got yeah. Shea, they've got Kelly Oubre, they've got Al Horford and Stephen Adams. So yeah, I mean, those are four guys. Give me like a give me like a D plus. I I just I hate the contract and I feel like they didn't get enough for it. It's weird to say that Sam Presti should have gotten more first round picks here. Um, <laughs> he should have. Sam Presti was robbed. <laughs> he got fleeced in this trade. <laughs> then again, a bit of payback. Um, yeah. So also, not Daddy a, Green. Not Daddy Green might be terrible. <laughs> yeah, he might uh, just be awful. That's good. That's good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you take that. Um, all right, let's move on to the next team here with the Dallas Mavericks. Ooh, baby, what a draft day for the Mavericks. Um, I like this. I like everything they did today. Um, not to get ahead of myself, but that trade we'll talk about in a second is 
chef's kiss. Um, yeah, so today they drafted Josh Green at number 18, the Aussie, the Aussie kid, the up-and-comer. Um, really excited about Josh Green. Uh, three and D prospect. Uh, potentially could give you a bit off the dribble in a couple of years, but uh, right now, three-point shooter, energy defender, a, sort of a perfect fit next to um, Luca, I think. He's a big athletic guard uh, slash forward. Um, and then with the first pick in the second round, they take Tyrell Terry, a bona fide shooter, uh, off the catch and shoot, off the dribble. Um, is just a it's just a pure shooter. Uh, doesn't project to be able to defend anyone, but you know that's fine. Um, as long as you make buckets, you know that's what you need. Um, and then later later again in the second round with the thirty six pick, which they got in that trade, they take Tyler Bay, who um. I had to do some research on before this, but um, looks like a really physical, impactful defender. Um, uh, the offensive is still the offensive game is still coming around, but um, yeah, a, a, a solid defensive guy, which is important for the Babs and putting that al- around Luca. Um, so all around for the guys they drafted, I gave them an A. I think it was exactly what they needed. Yeah, I, I agree. I of the teams that I paid attention to. I think the Mavs were probably one of the ones that I paid most attention to, and I think they made three pretty good picks. Um, was it three picks? Sorry? Okay, maybe I didn't yeah. pay enough attention. Yeah, three <laughs> picks. They got they got shooters and defenders, and that's exactly yeah. what they need against Luka. Exactly, yeah. Shooters, defenders. Um, and speaking of shooters, they traded away one in Seth Curry, but in return, they got Josh Richardson and that 36 overall pick, which they got Tyler Bay with. I like Josh Richardson. I think he's a really good fit for them. I think just having another scorer alongside Luca, they don't need Seth Curry anymore in terms of a shooter because they kind of drafted that. I really like this pick. I uh, I really like this trade. You know, it's not hurting them in terms of salary. It won't hurt them in any way, shape, or form, really. I gave it an A-. minus. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm a big Josh Richardson fan. Being uh, being Him being from the Heat, uh, drafted by the Heat, um, he's a... He's a competent playmaker. He can. He's a competent shooter. He can. He plays really good defense. Um, I think he's the perfect guy next to Luca at the two guard position, most likely. Um, yeah, this is a great pickup. Um, yeah, they've compensated with uh, Seth Curry shooting with Tyrell Terry, uh, who projects to be an awesome shooter. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Completely, I think this is an awesome trade for the Mavericks. Uh, let's move on to the 19th pick in this draft with uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Never mind, sorry. Uh, they traded <laughs> that to the Pistons. Um, <laughs> all right, let's move on to the 20th pick with the Heat. <laughs> yeah, Precious Achua, uh, who we talked about a little bit earlier for his awesome name. Uh, also an awesome physical specimen. Dude's like 6'10", 245 pounds. Like, over seven foot wingspan, just an absolute monster. Um, looks like he can play either backup center or four, uh, or the four. Um, a bit raw offensively. Uh, yeah, he's a bit of he's a he's a physical specimen again inside, so he's going to be able to bully guys and get to the rim and fight for the fight through contact. Um, but the jump shot is really what needs to come along for him to be more than sort of Bam's backup, um, which may be that you know they were they were going for uh, with this pick at the twenties, which is you know still good, 
still good value if you can get that from your 20, 20th pick. Um, but I feel like he can he can really turn into a lot more. He could be another unbelievable defender for the Heat, which would be really, really uh, scary for a lot of teams if they have to go against Jimmy Butler, Precious Chua, and Bam sort of uh, front court defensively. So, yeah, it's really about how <clears throat> how his shooting improves um, next to it, which determines how he can play next to Bam and whether or not he's more just a center backup. But for right now, I, I really like this. I give this a B plus for the Heat. Okay. So you think you'll be a good foot? Do you think he's a guy that can kind of contribute now or is he more of a prospect? Um, off, I think right now he can contribute uh, with the rebounding and the defense. Um, it's that offense that will have to have to come along in the coming years. All right. Uh, let's move to the 21st pick in the draft with the 76ers. Yeah, they get um they get shooters really. I mean, that's what this entire draft for them sort of was. They get Tyrese Maxey at 21, who's a Kentucky point guard, um really you know, sh- shifty with the ball can create separation, get his own shot. Um the percentages aren't great in college, but at least from 3, but um He's projected to be a way better shooter at the NBA, uh, just with more space, uh, looking like he'll get better shots than he did in college. Um, and he's a good free throw shooter. So uh, he's And he's got real upside as a lead ball handler, or maybe not a lead ball handler, but a very competent ball handler who can uh, yeah, play off the ball, get his own shot. Um, he's, he's got size at least, so that helps him defensively. He's like 6'4", six, 6'5". Uh, sort of a guard. So I think he's a really good fit with the Sixers who have been looking for that playmaking, especially off the bench. Um, and also more shooting around Ben Simmons and Bead doesn't go amiss. Um, late in the second round, they took Isaiah Joe, who a lot of people had a lot higher than where he went. Um, again, projected as another shooter. And then Paul Reed at 58. Uh, again, another shooter. So I think really, and then Obviously, with the trade of Seth, Seth Curry, you can sort of tell where the Sixers. You can see where the Sixers had their focus. So I had a A minus for the Sixers in the draft. Yeah, and obviously speaking of that trade, Seth Curry for Josh Richardson, the thirty-six pick. I love this move. I think it's a great move for the Sixers as well, getting a shooter, a comp, a very competent shooter. I mean, I like Josh Richardson, but I don't know how much they really needed him, uh, as in terms of just kind of what he did in terms of scoring, like just a spot-up shooter like Seth Curry would be so valuable for them. And I, I think he's a great fit. I actually, I, that might be one of my favorite moves. I think I give it an A. Yeah. I, it's, it's really perfect. It's what the Sixers need. It's a Mori move. Uh, we can see him getting his fingerprints on, on the Sixers team early. I feel like Tyrese Maxey can sort of at least at minimum project to be a Seth Curry type player. Uh, and if he get if he's as good as he projects to be with his ceiling. He could be Seth Curry with a handle, which is a bit scary to think of. Um, so, yeah, great picks, great trade, great Sixers day. Yep, and even better. I, I You know, I said that was my very favorite trade. This next one is actually my favorite trade. Um, they get Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson for Al Horford and, you know, the other stuff. So that second round pick, sorry, that the 34th pick, the 2025th first and the other guy whose name I will not 
sake. <laughs> uh, I think the best thing about this, obviously, is getting off Al Horford's contract and also saving like a lot of money. They saved $12 million in salary cap over the next couple of years. And then obviously they saved $26 million for the next year or so after that. Completely yep. just getting rid of Al Horford's contract, not taking anything massive back. I don't like Danny Green. I don't think Terrence Ferguson's anything, but like, you know, they got off Al Horford's contract, giving up very little uh, of future first and the 34th pick of this draft, really. That's, to me, that's an A-plus move. Yeah, I mean, Danny Green, this is his last year in this this contract, so they're in, um, they're out of the luxury, the Sixers are. They get their mid-level back for next year, for or for next off-season, I think. Um, and they're already off Danny Green's money by the end of this season. Um, yeah. And, yeah, you're right. Terrence Ferguson really isn't anything. He's still got a bit of potential. So maybe he turns out something for the Sixers. But um, yeah. You know, uh, make it two mil. Yeah. I, you know, why not? Uh, you know, as a throw in as part of the deal. I mean, can't, you wouldn't say no. Um, yeah, really, it's just sort of what, you know, the main thing obviously is getting off Holford's contract, but also an added benefit for them would be if they can get one last year out of Danny Green. Um, he, I think he'd be in an even limit, uh, smaller role at the Sixers than he would than he was asked of at the Lakers. So maybe that sort of that diminished role gives him gives him you know his last legs a bit yep. more uh, efficiency. So um, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, great tra- great trade for the Sixers. Yeah, so I mean, just a great all-round day for the Sixers. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if we want to go through this later on, but I think the Sixers might have had the best draft day. Uh, yeah, it's between them and the Mavs for me. Um, yeah. was, because uh, of that trade they made. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, really, really impressive. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the twenty-second pick with the Nuggets. Yeah, they take. Um... Zeke Naji from Arizona, a sort of uh, a bruising power forward, center sort of big. Um, Kenneth Freed esque. Uh, yeah, he could say that. Um, I haven't seen any comps for him. Uh, I don't know if he re- if he's the sort of rebounder that Freed is, and he might be a project to be a bit more of a shooter from the mid range than a bead. Um, but really, he's just a physical big that can. Yeah, get in the paint, get some layups, get some, you know, post hooks and stuff, battle on the boards, um, and hopefully, yeah, get a nice mid-range coming along. Um, and, yeah, that's sort of, you talked about this in other in other pods, sort of what the Nuggets need in your eyes. We talked about how Aaron Baines might be a sort of guy for them in free agency. I think, I think Najee projects to be a sort of Aaron Baines type, a big physical, big... Replace Mason Plumley, probably just a nice, big, physical bruiser, high-energy guy. Yeah. How, yeah, how do you feel about this for your Nuggets? I like it. I like the pick. I think uh, it's also, I guess, a little bit of um, insurance if Jeremy Grant doesn't come back. I'll be fingers crossed that he does. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think this is the right kind of guy to go for, a nice, big, physical guy, especially with the fact that the big man position really is thinning up for the Nuggets this season with Jeremy Grant, uh, Mason Plumlee, and Paul Millsap all coming off the books. Unlikely all three of them come back. 
most likely only Jeremy Grant comes back. Yep. So, yeah, filling a need for the Nuggets, which is good at the 22nd pick. Um, they also made that trade. What was the trade? For RJ Hampton. Oh, for RJ Hampton. Sorry, I thought we were going to 23. <laughs> yeah. yeah, RJ Hampton at 24. Um, yeah, good trade. Good trade for the Nuggets. This is reminiscent of um, sort of the what Malik Beasley turned into is what you're drafting uh, RJ Hampton is now as sort of a high high potential guy that may not get a lot of run with the Nuggets, um, but is another trade asset. Um, sort of like um, uh, Kevin uh, Michael Porter Jr. Um, yeah. You know, obviously uh, Porter went a lot earlier than Hampton did, but both are really high uh, high school prospects. Um, both of them dropped uh, after their well, one college, one international seasons. Um, obviously, Hampton playing in the NBL for the Breakers. Um, I really like this pickup for the Nuggets. He's a guy that in a few years could be used in a deal for Beal or any other sort of guys that the Nuggets like to help them contend. Or he might just turn into a guy that could be really useful for them. Um, yeah, His ceiling is sort of as a dynamic scorer, playmaker, transition threat. I don't really see him as yep. a star. Um, he's got sort of a... Like a slasher kind of guy to play alongside Jokic. Yeah, exactly. Someone who can make cuts, be explosive around Jokic, um, and hopefully be a defender around Murray. Um, Hanton's a bit thin, but he's tall and he's long. So I think that helps him defensively. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of the trade that they made to get him, they just traded a future first round for him. I mean, kind of hard to grade it. It just depends on what he turns into. I'll give it a tentative B, but, you know, could go anywhere, really. Yeah, I, I gave the Nuggets draft a B plus. Uh, I think it addresses needs now with guys who can contribute now. And also, you've got a prospect who, in a few years, could be used in a deal or could be really, really impactful for the Nuggets. Okay. Uh, so the next few picks, we've all already talked about the team. So uh, the Wolves, the, actually, I won't list them. There's too many of them. <laughs> <laughs> we get we're actually dropping all the way to we're going all the way to 29 now with the Toronto Raptors. Uh yeah, taking uh Malachi Flynn. Um I can't say much about this. Um I don't know much about Malachi Flynn. Um I don't think he was really projected to go this high. Um comps are to Fred Van Fleet, so there's that if he leaves in free agency uh for the Raptors. Um yeah, honestly, I can't. I can't give a grade because I haven't seen him. I don't know anything about him. I'll give it a. I'll, a lot of people aren't too high on it, so I'll give it a. I'll give it a C plus. Okay, uh, and let's go to thirty with uh, the Grizzlies. It's weird that the Grizzlies ended up at thirty here, so they got a trade from the Celtics uh, in Desmond Bain. Yeah, uh, uh, probably. Yeah, another high level shooter uh, out of college. Um, making 43% of his threes, I think. Um, and from what I read on him, uh, just briefly before we came on, looks like a guy who can do a bit more than just shoot. So potentially a Dylan Brooks insurance. I think Dylan Brooks is under under contract for a couple more years anyway, but um, I mean, more shooting around Jar can't hurt around Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, so yeah, I mean can't hate on another shooter. I'll give it a B plus. They also got 
They also, I think, either traded or paid for uh, Xavier Tillman from Michigan State, who's a sort of another a bigger a big who can sort of rebound and be physical and uh, just sort of another role a role big for the Grizzlies. Okay. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe we're jumping all the way down to 45 now from 30 uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, I didn't realize we we're going to the second I'm round. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if you have anything on them. Uh, it's fine if you don't. Um, I, I wouldn't really expect you to know. I think the only you, teams we haven't uh, talked about are the Rockets, the Bucks, and the Blazers. Maybe uh, uh, the Clippers, uh, Nets, and Lakers also haven't. Oh, okay. Also haven't talked about, but I'm not sure if the Lakers actually made a selection. I don't think the Lakers made a pick. Uh, the Clippers paid for a few for a pick, um, or, tr- or traded for one. Don't know anything about them. Yeah, I can't give you anything on these second round guys, unfortunately. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So in terms of other trades uh, that we haven't fully covered, so we've got uh, the Clippers at the net side of that Pistons trade. So Ledry Shabbat going to the Clippers, and sorry, uh, Luke Kennard going to the Clippers, and Ledry Shabbat going to the Nets. I don't really have any thoughts on either of these trades all that much. I think they're just okay moves. I, honestly, I think it was more about just kind of getting the pick swapped, if anything. Or I'm not really sure. Yeah, I'm confused as to why the Clippers wanted to trade, wanted to swap Shamit for, um, Kennard. for for Kennard. Um, I think Shamit's a better player. Shamit's shown, at least Shamit's been in the playoffs, you know. He's done thing in the playoffs. Um, for the Nets, I think it's a really good pickup instead of that 19th pick. Um, someone who can help them now and potentially play a role in a championship run with uh, Kyrie and KD and who knows, maybe even Harden. Um, yeah, for the Clippers, I'm really confused. I don't know why they went and got Luke Kennard. He's no. sort of... Yeah, I don't. I'm not really a big fan of Kennard. He's shown some flashes, but that was for the Pistons. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, C's for both of them. I guess I don't really have any opinion on either trade. Or I'll on get the side of that trade. I'll give it a. I'll give it a B. I mean, I'll give it a B plus for the Nets. I think it's better than whatever they got at 19. True. Yeah. Also, uh, Rodney Magruder is going to the Pistons too, uh, which is. You know, a thing. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the only other thing that we haven't fully talked about is the other half of that uh Trevor Reza trade. So um uh the Rocks traded what was that trade again? Sorry. The Pistons got a Reza and a first. Yeah, so they got a Reza and one of the first that came with a Reza. So and they essentially the Rockets flipped a Razor for another pick. So essentially they got two picks for Robert Covington yeah. without Giving without taking on any contracts, yeah. so it's essentially just a three-team trade that was kind of extended a little bit over time. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, for the for the Pistons, yeah. Like I said, I I like that they got veterans um, and another pick. You know, can't hurt. Yeah, and then obviously this is from the Rockets' perspective. They got two firsts, a minus. Sure, why not? If they're blowing things up. They got. Oh, they didn't take any bad contracts. That they got two first rounders. You'll take yep. that. Exactly. All right. Um. In terms of trades, there was just one other thing we wanted to talk about, and that was uh Bogdan Bogdanovich not going to the Milwaukee Bucks, as far as we're aware. 
Uh, yeah, Sorry. someone forgot to tell Bogey that this trade was going down because apparently, someone, yeah, apparently he doesn't want to be there, or I at least the... ask him if he wanted to sign there and just was like, "Yep, we're signing you." Yeah, um, or at the very least, someone didn't understand the cap, and Bogey didn't want whatever deal the Bucks could offer him. Yeah. Um, because apparently, as soon as the trade, you know, as soon as that trade came out, really hardcore cap people were sort of like, um, "How is this happening?" Because the Bucks didn't really have the money to sort of give him a deal that they were expecting, uh, that he would be expecting. Um, and you know, people don't really focus on that too much when a trade like that happens. They focus on just the work. end result. Yeah. Um, you should probably see if it works first, and if the guy. Yeah who is a restricted free agent and can choose if he wants to go, wants to go. Um, yeah, this is a weird and also <laughs> kind of big blow to the Bucks. I mean, yeah. that would have been a really good trade for them if that went through, and now it looks yeah. like that's not it's happening. Hurting, it's putting their image, especially. Um, their image, um, the guys that they're about to ship off probably aren't too happy. No, uh, no. And it's not bode well. No, this isn't a great look for the Bucks. And um, there's not really a guy out there that I think they can sort of go, oh, plan B, here's the same deal for, you know. There's not really a guy in the same situation as Bogey with the Kings, um, where he sort of wants to move on because he's not getting the sort of the role that he wants. And the Kings sort of want to move on, it seems like. Um, so. Yeah, this is this really sucks for the Bucks. <laughs> yeah. So reportedly he's entering restricted free agency now. Probably gonna look for a side and trade elsewhere. Or maybe you could just side straight up. I mean I doubt the Kings would let that happen since he is restricted. They would probably try to get at least something for him. But yeah, yeah. I mean, not to the Bucks, which is bad for Giannis. Bad for the Bucks in terms of keeping Giannis, probably. But then again, I don't I don't think Giannis will extend this offseason, I think he's going to wait till next offseason to actually make a decision. But we've still got time. Um, who knows? Maybe they, there are other moves to make for them. I'd imagine they they recoup and try something else now. I'm just not sure what that move is. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, very strange uh, sequence of events here. Um, yeah. We went from a, looking like a really productive or at least eventful uh, box offseason sort of hampered a bit, even though they've still got the Drew Holiday trade. Yeah. I mean, this also does kind of hurt them in terms of leverage, because now other teams know they're willing to give up whatever they were giving up in that trade, Dante DiVincenzo especially. Yeah, that um, it, yeah, really frankly underwhelming package anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah, they sort of know what, what they'll be getting back and can, uh, can negotiate accordingly with the Bucks. so yeah, this hurts. Yeah. Um, so sorry to end on a downer note there, um, <laughs> especially for any Bucks fans if they're listening. But um, yeah, I think that about wraps it up. Did you have anything else you wanted to say on the draft? We've been going for ooh, an hour and forty minutes now, so yeah, uh, just quickly, sort of very quiet compared to what we thought was going to happen. Um, yeah, but uh, all in all, uh, a very Interesting draft, I'll say. You know, obviously not the sort of top level talent that a lot of people thought, but I think towards the middle of the lottery and towards the end, there's a lot of value to be had. So we'll see how these guys turn out. 
Yeah, I mean, after the first few days of the offseason, I I mean, I think we went into the offseason not expecting there to be a whole lot of trades, as we talked about in our um, GM's DM's episode. Yeah. Um, but after the first couple of days of the offseason, we thought, you know, maybe things will pick up. Not as much. I mean, Al Horford was kind of surprising. I didn't actually expect, expect the Sixers to be able to move him, especially in such a fashion. But yeah, everything else was just kind of meh, <laughs> especially Pretty- for someone like me who doesn't follow the draft particularly closely i'm excited to learn who these guys are i'm excited to i mean i'll probably learn maybe 20 of them this year and then the whoever's left in the league the next year <laughs> i was gonna say yeah you don't want to overextend yourself the first year yeah <laughs> not, a lot of them I, won't be there much long much yeah longer. if you're in the second round no, i'll figure you out in three years time if you're still around <laughs> exactly Alright, um, if you have enjoyed this episode, please leave us a like on YouTube, check us out on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating or review. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at StatStuffers or on Instagram at Stat underscore Stuffers. You can also email us at StatStuffers5 at gmail.com. Other than that, thank you for listening. Peace. <laughs>